Welcome to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. We feature exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the podcast, the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, and the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause. I also created the Reach More Readers Workshops. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action today as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us to help us reach more listeners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so thrilled to be with you today. And I'm especially interested in this conversation with Martha Ann Toll, who is a fiction author and also a journalist. And I know that she's going to have so much value to share with you today. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Welcome, Martha. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. And I know that your listeners already know this, but Becky is one of the most generous people that I've ever dealt with on my journey. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, that is so kind of you. Martha and I met as she was exploring some marketing options to help with her novel, which was released in mid to late September. What was the date? The 21st? September 20th. Okay. And so why don't you catch us up? Martha, tell us a little bit about your background and how you've gotten to this point as an author. Great. Um, So I have um, a complicated background, which I'm not going to go into totally, but I worked most of my career in social justice. And along the way, in the very early aughts, I started seriously writing fiction, even though I had been writing fiction for a long, long time. And if we have any fiction writers listening, um, you will know that this is a field full of rejections. So it took me a long time to publish my first novel, almost 20 years. And I did, in fact, go through a series of literary agents. I wrote multiple novels, got multiple agents, but none of those agents were able to sell my novel to a publisher, even though the advice that I kept getting was, it's harder to get the agent than the publisher. That was not my personal experience. This novel, which is called Three Muses, It's a complicated love story between a Holocaust survivor and a ballerina who is involved in a difficult, abusive relationship with her choreographer. This book I started in 2010, spent a lot of time working on it, revising it. I had an agent at the time and she didn't know what to do with it. So she suggested I get another agent. which just sounds to my ear like, oh, could you please just go climb Mount Everest again? Um, But I did get another agent who did wonderful work on the book. She spent a couple of years insisting on really, really helpful revisions, got me focused. Um, I'm very, very grateful to her. And she did what is the practice in the fiction industry, which is to submit it to the big publishers in New York, and it was not successful. And then I think she sort of lost interest, um, which I interpreted because she basically stopped communicating with me, which wasn't working for me. So in the meantime, I had a lot of energy behind this novel. I really cared about getting it out to the world. And it was beginning, I was submitting it into contest and it was beginning to place in the finals. So um, this is sort of a lesson that I want to say. I we had an amicable divorce and i say amicable because i really wanted to make clear to her how incredibly helpful she had been she she really really made it a better book she was very gracious 
and I took the um, novel back. And then I just started submitting it where I could submit it. So I submitted it. This was the year 2020. It was during the pandemic. And I'm one of those people who got extremely sick twice with COVID before um, the vaccines came out. So I have no memory of submitting this to the thing that I won. I submitted it in April 2020 to a novel contest, which Regal House Publishing runs. They are an independent publisher based in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And this prize comes with publication and a small honorarium. And my phone rang one day in August and lightning struck. So I won the competition. I always say I have never won a competition that I can remember, except I once won once a week at a bakery um, for my children's nursery school. <laughs> so this was pretty exciting. That is so exciting and, and inspiring as well. You know, especially when you indicate, Martha, that this is a novel that you worked on since 2010. Yes. So before we dive into the marketing of the novel, I'm really curious, how did you sustain your energy for this story across that 10-year period of revising and resubmitting and waiting? Tell me about that. Well, I decided very early on in my writing journey that I must really, really like writing because the journey is for most people, particularly in the fiction world, about 99.99% rejection. And I was noticing that nothing really kept me down for so long. It was, it was depressing to get a lot of rejections. I'm not saying that, but it never made me think, oh, I don't want to do this. So part of it is just I really, really loved doing this. I loved the writing. I really cared about it. And I had, um, you know, a lot of loving support from my family, from my friends, um, a couple of them who would, you know, say a little bit of tough love, like stop, stop being so self-pity and get back to the grind. And the other thing I started doing, which was incredibly helpful, was I began reviewing books. So I've always been a maniac reader. And um, I got on the ground floor of a publication that was starting in um, Washington, D.C., where I live, that, that's a book reviewing publication called the Washington Independent Review of Books. I went to the organizing meeting, and I have recently put this together so that I could talk to folks like you. Apparently, that meeting was in 2011, and I started working on this book in 2010. So I began getting bylines um, and publishing book reviews. And it felt so good to finally start publishing. And honestly, it's a strange thing to say, but not only could I share my love of books with the world, but for my mental health, it was incredibly important to be getting published somewhere, even though I couldn't get my fiction published. So that's interesting. Um... So the getting published on the nonfiction side with your book reviews helped to fuel and sustain your desire and confidence to keep writing on the novel. It did. And I don't totally understand it, but I have spoken to other writers who really understand. Sometimes you just need some affirmation from another place. I also, as I said, I had a full-time job in social justice and I was really very serious about that job. And I'm was understood that I needed to stay. I mean, I needed it for financial reasons. And I also needed it because it's a place of was a place of great affirmation for me. And I understood that if I was just 
doing nothing but getting rejections, I would probably have a harder time. Yeah, you know, I'm as you're saying that, I'm thinking about my own journey getting started as a writer as well. And I started writing in about 2009, maybe 2008. And I think back that those early wins really do fuel your confidence to keep trying to write. I early on got published. I wrote a piece about homeschool preschool and I got published in Chicago Parent Magazine. And I mean, at the time, it was amazing. And I, I wonder what impact that had on me continuing to write. I think it's, it's just, I mean, we don't like to rely on it, but external validation matters. It isn't the only thing and it's um, really not the only thing. I mean, I'm a very harsh self-critic and I think that's necessary for a writer, but it's really nice to have external validation. Yeah, I agree with you. Those uh, In the early days of blogging, so much was about getting comments and really having interaction with people responding mm-hmm. to what I wrote. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's pick up with your opportunity to publish through Regal House Publishing that came when you won this contest. And you and I met many months ago now as you were planning for the marketing of the book. So catch us up on the marketing side. What have you done so far? So um, I was lucky in that Regal House accepted the book in August of 2020, and the publication date was always going to be September 2022. So I had a two-year lead time, which is long. It's not incredibly long for fiction, but it's longer than I think most nonfiction writers have. But it was a great benefit to me because I wasn't rushing around. So the first thing I did was work with um, a consultant to try to get some strategic um, ideas lined up. And that might've been the hardest part of this journey because I had to learn how to focus on myself and figure out what I stand for. I already knew what I stood for, but I had to actually say it to somebody else. So we worked for a few months together, basically uh, figuring out key messages and, Becky, you actually said this to me when I first met you, and I agree with you that in today's world, an author should present as an an authentic person. And so we live in a time when we can talk about our whole selves, which is, of course, what we bring to our writing, not just our, quote, professional selves. And so was that a hard uh, barrier for you to overcome, to figure out how to present as a whole person through your online presence? Well, I knew what I knew what I believed in. And I, I'm sorry, I need to back up because what actually prompted me to do this was a friend of mine who works in marketing called me up and said, your social media feed is all over the place. Nobody in the world knows you're a writer. And I, it was very lovingly said, and it was probably, it was critical. And she said, if you're going to sell a book, you definitely, the world needs to know that you're a writer. So I took her advice. I found the homework really hard to kind of spell out what, what, what I was about. I already know, like, I care about people. I care about social justice. I love supporting new authors. I love supporting authors of color. I love sharing books. I mean, there were things that I definitely knew, but I had to spell them out a bit more clearly. Um, and I'm trying to think, should I go ahead and what were my next steps? Okay, that was not pragmatic um, in the sense that it was more sort of, what am I gonna present to the world? And 
I don't think I'm alone in the sense that I really wanted practical help because what does that actually mean? I started, um, I got on Twitter in 2010 and I've been on Facebook, which I understand much less, but Twitter, whatever, for whatever reason makes a lot of, has always made a lot of sense to me. And it's been very great for my writing life. It's a wonderful place to meet writers. We all hear about the toxic parts of Twitter and that is certainly true, but it's kind of a writer's paradise. You, you can be in conversation with all kinds of writers that you just couldn't do in the old old days, partly geographic barriers, but also we didn't have that level of access. I've gotten writing jobs. So that, that's a plug for, for the fact that I love Twitter for those things. Um, so I was already pretty comfortable on Twitter, but as my friend said, I was tweeting about a lot of things that might not be related to my book. Um, so in terms of practical help, I did two things. I hired a publicist. My publisher is um, does not have an in-house publicity um, operation, but I think that most people I know feel like even if their publisher does have a publicity operation, they need to do ex some external publicity. And the publicist has worked on print, online media, podcasts, um, but not events, notably. And um, I also worked with a social media posting firm. That was much later. And I'm. it took me a long, long time to figure out how to find such a place. And I thought when I started looking in August 2020 that that was what I needed was a social media posting firm. And it's a great thing to have. You have to know what you want to say. I mean, you've got to be, you as the writer has to be, have to be giving them directions. So that's also been a learning journey. Well, I want to ask something kind of that might seem out of the blue, but I'm noticing, Martha, that when you talk about yourself, you call yourself a writer more than you call yourself an author. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Um, it's curious and I'm, I'm just paying attention and, and curious. Well, I feel like I've only been an author for two weeks <laughs> because I just, my book just came out. I'm still getting used to using the word, but I've been a writer all my life. And um, I wonder what distinction you make with the word author, but author connotes uh, somebody who published a book, which now I have as of two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think that I've heard myself call myself a writer far less frequently. So that might require some more exploration. Oh, okay. Well, I will say this, that um, I, in my life, writing is the third serious art form that I've spent time in. I started in ballet and was actually a music major in college. And writing is the medium where I feel like I found the place where I could most fully express myself artistically. So I take... Um, I think we all do if we put something out in the world. Of course, we care what we write. Um, I'm pretty much of a maniac about writing craft, although I am untrained. I don't have, or, or, or self-trained. I mean, I, I don't have a writing degree. I, I just spend a huge amount of time trying to hone my craft. 
That's amazing. Well, so talk a little bit more about your journey to bring the book to the world. You know, we're speaking in early October. This episode will go live in a couple of weeks. So by the time this episode goes live, your book will have been available in the world for about a month. Mm-hmm. So um, reflect on what that's been like for you and where you are right now. I um, really cared about investing whatever I could. And I'm talking about investments in terms of personal energy and time. Um, I had um, unconnected with any of this, actually left my full-time job um, so that I could write full-time. So I do have perhaps more time than a lot of people are getting books out in the world. Um, So I've spent an enormous amount of time. Um, The first thing that I did um, was try to get what are called pre-publication blurbs. and I spent a lot of time reaching out to folks and I wanted to be courteous to them. A book is a very big commitment to ask someone to read and blurb. So I started right almost right away when I won the prize because I wanted people to have time to read the book. Um, so that was my very first thing. And then I, um, as I got closer to the publication date, I was still had my regular reviewing and book criticism practice, so I was doing that. And um, I then tried to educate myself about the podcast world, um, which is still somewhat murky to me. Um, And I got, I spent more time on platforms that I was not comfortable with. I really didn't understand Instagram. I'm still kind of learning it. Um, a lot of authors are on Instagram and it's a very popular platform. Becky, you would know much more than I do. And it confused me because it's so visual and writing is not visual. And so I couldn't figure out how to actually do that. Um, since my book is about ballet though, there's a lot of opportunities, of course, because you have the opportunity for film, for video and still pictures on Instagram. Um, And my publicist, I started working with her about eight months before publication, and she really encouraged me to to write about the book. So I wrote a series of essays, which are have been coming out over the last. We had to place them. Some of them just owning this. Some of them got rejected from the places that invited them, (laughs) which is writing land. That's what happens to us. But they've all been placed now. They're not all published, but they've all been placed. And I also did a lot of written interviews and that was a combination of people in my network reaching out to people in my network and the publicist reaching out to people in her network so what's your sense of what's working well so far to get the word out about your novel well i was going to ask you that because i'm in a funny place two weeks after publication i had a fantastic launch week i i launched at um washington dc's preeminent independent bookstore, politics and prose, and then two days later, this wonderful place in New York called the Center for Fiction. So both of those were just wonderful events. Um, We can talk about events. I I have a very strong opinion about events, which is I think they work much better in conversation. So I have a series of events scheduled. They're all on my website, and every single one of them is in conversation. I think people are kind of tired talking heads. And I think it's just much more interesting because it's stimulating for the audience and they can participate in the conversation. Um, As to what is working, I don't have the faintest idea. And it's a funny feeling about being um, post 
launch and going like, what's going on in the world? I mean, you can track metrics. You can see how many people looked at your posts and um, how many people put Goodreads reviews up. There's all kinds of things you can track, but I have no idea if any of it is meaningful. I definitely feel, and everybody says this, that word of mouth is still the most important thing in the book industry. So I've been really, really thrilled about um, people posting on social media that they're reading it or they liked it. Um, and then I've gone down a number of unusual paths with this book that I do want to talk about. I also want to say I was incredibly lucky. This was a combination, mostly of my publicist, but a little bit of me. My book has ended up in a bunch of lists, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So books you should read in the next six months or fall books coming out. I think those really matter. And in some ways, readers who are looking for books might prefer those kinds of lists. In, in my field, they're called roundups, book roundups. Um, and I like that because it's one or two paragraphs and then a reader can really think about making a decision whether they want to get the book. That's uh, really helpful. And I think for fiction, that is so true. I love to read fiction, Martha. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen those come across my desk and quite often what I'm doing is looking. Um, so full disclosure, I tend to read all my novels through library apps like Libby, um, and so I'm like, I looked for your book. It's not on Libby yet. I don't know if it will be. Well, um, I, that's a story. I'm, I'm sorry to be interrupting. Um, yeah, no worries. First of all, I, I love Libby. It's like my favorite thing. And I have two children, two adult children. My husband, we all, she, we have like five libraries on our app. It's, it's really the center of my life. Um, so one of the things that happened that was incredibly thrilling that the agent who initially handled this book helped me with is that I was able to sell my audio rights. So in a fiction book, it's like a pie that gets divided up the print and ebook rights sell and then the rest of it are separately sold. So um, again, for your listeners, Becky, I know that you are truly exemplary in this department. I was so glad that I had had a good um, separation from my agent because as soon as my book sold, she introduced me to the agent who handled my audio rights, which was absolutely critical. And those people are not public facing. I would not have found that person. Um, so my book has been published on audio. And I think if you ask your library to buy it, they are likely to buy it. I mean, like we all do, at least with our public library, you can usually request that they. Oh, that is a great yeah. idea. I can definitely yeah. request so, that our library get your book. But all, I also want to buy it. I had meant to buy it when it came out. I actually, we were scheduled to record before your book came out. And my plan had been to buy it and read it before I interviewed you. And then it all kind of caught up with me. And now your book is out and I haven't bought it yet. So I do intend to buy your book. That's um, very I like, I actually like ebooks, not audiobooks. Okay, that's so I check out ebooks from the Libby app. Interesting. So, um, yeah, so the audiobook just for other people listening did come out on the same day. Um, and and at least with our library systems, you can sometimes request as a listener. So hopefully your library will have it sooner rather than later. Sure. So really quickly, I'm going to make a plug. You know, if you are a reader of the types of novels that 
uh, Martha has written, would you just log into your uh, library's website and request that they buy her book? Um, that's something you can also do while you're there. You can request that you, they buy my book, Reach. Um, I was able to do that at my library, Martha, and it was so thrilling when I went into the library and saw my own book on the shelf. It's wonderful. It should be there. You're a local, you're a national resource, but that your library should definitely support you. That's great. Yes. Well, okay. So I want to pick up on what you said, Martha, that a couple of weeks after launch, it sort of feels like you don't know what's working or you don't know where you are. Is, is that true? Well, yes and no, but I kind of first wanted to ask it back to you. You are actually have a lot more experience than I do. What do you feel like that's a common feeling and, and you, know, you have to give people time to read it, to be able to purchase it, all those things. What, what is your sense of this time period after launch? Sure. Well, one of the things I would tell you is that I always envision launch at least as a one month period. So technically, if your launch, you know, was a one month period, you could still be in that launch month. Mm -hmm. And the important aspects during your launch month are to create some early momentum. And I, I don't know because I didn't stock your book when it came out, but one of the priorities that we often have with authors is to capitalize on the fact that Amazon makes your book a hot new release for 30 days mm -hmm. and to try to bump your book into those bestseller categories within that first 30 days that your book is released. And one of the ways that we do that is by mobilizing networks to say to people, hey, everybody buy the book at once, you know, in working with nonfiction authors, we'll do a virtual event or a virtual party so that when you have all of your network together, you can say, hey, now's the time to buy my book. And the hope is to pop into those categories and also to have strategically selected categories uh, to increase the likelihood of getting that bestseller banner, which helps to teach Amazon's algorithm that your book is important and desired and all of those things. So I don't know if you did any of that, but the good news is that you do have 30 days once your book comes out to try to keep that that momentum going in terms of increasing the discoverability of your book. So I am doing some of that and I certainly people recommended to me that I send emails to um my networks and I forgot one incredibly important thing I did. Um early on, I already had a newsletter, but it was a bit of kind of not regular. And it was also a little bit, it, it was a little bit impersonal, I guess I would say. So one of the things I did very early after I was accepted by Regal was um, start a newsletter. It's now on Substack. I love that platform. I find it very easy to use. It goes out every two weeks and, um, I had to learn how to do this. It's it's personal in that I do talk about what I'm doing. It definitely is book focused, but it's also, um, you know, I write little stories about what's going on with me and um, it's it's the same as my name, Martha Ann Toll on Substack. So that's been a wonderful way to connect with people. And I could feel as soon as I started making, um, a bit more personal and chatty and interactive I, I could feel that people were getting much more responsive and that is connected to the fact that i did reach out to all my networks and ask folks to buy the book pre-orders make a big difference um i will say that i don't really understand amazon i'm extremely aware of how important it is in the book industry um i have focused a fair amount of attention on goodreads and um i will be doing a uh, book giveaway 
which I think if this airs the 15th, it'll, it'll still be running between October 4th and October 18th on Goodreads. And now I'm something wonderful happened today. I don't know how it happened, but Goodreads sent out their newsletter. I don't know how many people their newsletter goes to. I suspect it's in the millions. And they listed my book as one of 51 historic fiction novels to read. And I literally have no idea how that happened, but I'm thrilled. Maybe you know how it happened. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's amazing. Congratulations. That's very thrilling. That's very thrilling. Yeah. So I, I just to circle back to the conversation of, you know, what do you do once the book has come out? Yeah. It sounds like if you have events planned, you know, what I've noticed is anything that you can continue to say yes to that allows you to show up with new audiences will yes. help you sustain momentum. It sounds like it might also be helpful for you to have a check-in with your publisher, or uh, I'm sure that you're aware, I want to make sure our listeners are aware that once you have a book on Amazon and you set up your Author Central account, Author Central does have data that comes from BookScan. BookScan is uh, the reporting agency that uh, reports on retail sales of your book. Now, there is a delay, but you can look at your Amazon Author Central account on a regular basis to be able to see the sales of your book across retailers which can be a helpful guide or gauge. You know, it's not a perfect number. And Amazon even tells you that the number that they're reporting is probably only representative of 85% of your retail sales. But for those who don't know, Author Central is a helpful uh, tool for be, being able to gauge the, the sales of your book, which may help give you feedback. I like to take a look at, you know, did I go to an event or did I have a podcast drop? And what, if any, impact did that have on sales? That's great. Um, so this, um, again, you, you, I think that you work a lot in the nonfiction and just, you know, folks who are publishing nonfiction, this, what I tried to do with my book is since it has strong Jewish themes, strong ballet themes, um, was figure out who, where those audiences were. So one thing I did that I'm very, very excited about, I mean, I'm a book reviewer and an author interviewer, I now have relationships with two of the major dance publications. Um, so I have been writing for them during this two-year period, and they have also written about my book. Um, so I think, Becky, every time I've heard you speak, um, you, you would say this, you would amplify this, I'm sure. Um, we need to lift each other's work up. It's incredibly important. So it's been my pleasure to write um, about a couple of beautiful ballet books that have come out for these publications. I wanted their readership to know that this book was out there. And that's been incredibly fruitful. And it was not an area that my publicist knew anything about. So that was all me doing it. And it wasn't... Um, I won't say it wasn't difficult. I had to work to do it, but I, it's not a giant universe. <laughs> I mean, there are four or five major publications. It's not like, you know, it's not like writing about basketball or something. So, um, this morning I had an amazing experience because I, um, always am trying to go out of the box. So I started really paying attention to who was writing about ballet and we can certainly find the critics for the major outlets. Um, somewhere I don't remember. I wish I remembered so I could share this. I came upon a very major dance critic in the in England who was writing did beautiful work. Um, I followed him on Twitter. Um, he followed me. I basically DM'd him and said, "May I please send you my book?" And he said, "Yes, I'd really like to read it." So then I did a little follow up yesterday and said, um, 
you know, just wondering how things are. And I woke up and my email this morning was, what a coincidence. I just finished your book. I loved it. And I'm planning to write about it. And I thought, gosh, you know, he's a straight, we are strangers to each other. But I love that story because I think the message is leave no stone unturned. I mean, he was just so receptive and so kind. And I, I mean, I don't really, you know, I just found him through research, basically. What an amazing story. And I, I want to pick up on that, you know, being thinking creatively, if you're a fiction author, about themes or special audiences that would relate to your book in a unique way. And you mentioned that your character is uh, a ballerina. And so that's a very logical audience for this work. Uh, but I think maybe one that that other fiction authors might not uncover in terms of those nonfiction publications be, being willing to read and review the work. Yeah. I'm guessing like these are publications where they're writing about dance. They're not yeah. reviewing fiction. They, okay, so these publications review books. Ah, got it. And so, um, so it's a more complicated story. I, I, there are ballet books that come out every year. I did some research. There, there's a lot of nonfiction books that come out. So I'm in the process of reviewing one. I reviewed a bunch of others. So though, the, it, a couple of these publications, that's a regular part of what they do. Ah, got it. I also met over Twitter. I mean, it sounds like an ad for Twitter, even though a really sophisticated friend of mine said it's Facebook that sells book and and not Twitter, who knows? I don't, we don't know the answers to these things, I don't really think. But um, I recognize that there was a very smart young reporter who was making her living writing about dance. So she was going to dance festivals, but she was also writing about books. And I did reach out to her and she's written about my books. She's written about my book in two different dance publications. And again, that was just reaching out to her saying, you know, may I please send you a copy of my book? I think, you know, this would be the, what we call the ARC, the advanced readers copy. Um, I feel like this may interest you. And then she did that pitching herself and did her own designing of the articles, which of course she had to do. She can't have a relationship with me. So, um, that was also really interesting. I mean, I think we need to remember when we're on the, pitching when we're on the selling side of the equation that all kinds of journals and specialty journals are looking for content and journalists are looking for content and we need to remember that we can help them with you know if you have we have content that's of interest to them yeah absolutely so martha can you share a few more out of the box ideas yes so i think that as authors, we sometimes take for granted that everybody is an author, they know authors, but the fact of the matter is that in the real world, most people don't know authors. And so as, as someone who's publishing a book, you are somebody who might be interesting to somebody in your neighborhood. I am doing um, some gigs at um, local public libraries, as we discussed, I'm a public library freak, but there's a clothing store around the corner from where I live that is makes its branding is basically supporting only locally sourced um, folks. So they sell locally sourced jewelry and clothing. So I just walked in and said, what do you think of my book? And she was totally receptive. She said, I have no idea how to sell a book, but if you can help me with that, um, I'd love to do that because you are locally, you are a local person. So we're going to have, I'm going to be joining a jewelry trunk show 
in December. And I'm really thrilled about it because it's my neighborhood and hopefully people will be walking in and I can talk about my book. So there's been stuff like that where I was, I just want to encourage the folks who are listening to be creative because some of these things you're going to think of and people in the quote industry may not be thinking of. I just love that idea. How awesome is that? And, you know, with the holidays approaching, the gift giving holidays at the end of the year, that's the perfect opportunity because people may be looking for books to gift to those readers in their life. Yes, I think we're that's where we're scheduled for mid-December and I was, I'm really very tickled about it. <laughs> mm. And hopefully you'll have a chance to sign those gift books as people yes. buy them. Yes, yes. That's amazing. So any other out of the box ideas that you want to share before we move into our action steps for our listeners? Yes, I, I mean, I think we all have access to virtual events now. And I've tried to be creative with those as well. Um, I want to give a concrete example, because I feel like it's really hard to when you're listening, like, what does that actually mean? But I discovered a novel about ballet by an American woman who lives in Paris. And I reached out to her, I read her book, we talked to each other, we talked about doing something together. So we're going to do an, a virtual event together with the local French um, cultural organization here which I love. I mean, that wouldn't have been the first place I would have pitched, but it happens the executive director loves ballet. She's really excited that this other person lives in Paris. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's amazing. Is that something that's open to the public that yeah. our listeners could go to your website and find out more about? Yes. All my events are on my website and the virtual events are open to anybody around the world. I mean, the in-person ones are too, but Obviously, virtual means you can access it from anywhere. So they're on the events page of my website. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up our conversation, Martha, I always want to leave our listeners with some practical steps that they may be able to take today to be able to create more opportunities for their book. Um, so I know that you brought some with you. What are some action steps that you would recommend? Um, so, and some of this, I think for your listeners will be sound very familiar because I think you probably have talked about it before I have. Um, first of all, relationships really, really, really matter. You never know who wants to help you, who wants to, whose son-in-law is doing something that they're interested. So long-term relationships really matter. And I can't say that more strongly enough. Um, and then my second piece of advice is you have to put some love out into the world. I very strongly believe in being a good literary citizen and lifting other people's work up. I think it's it it's a good thing to do. It's a great thing to do, and it will inure to your benefit. Um, I think my newsletter has helped a lot. I think um, getting out of my comfort zone in the biggest possible way has helped. I can't stand seeing photographs of myself and I've had to make videos, all these things that literally are still impossible for me. I, you have to do it, I think. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And then I think the other way that I've had to get out of my comfort zone is to ask people to buy my book. And I think that people, of course, expect you to ask them that and it's really fine, but it's been hard for me to do and I think we just have to do it. And then the final thing is what we've talked about, which is think out of the box. Well, I want to just follow up on one thing you said. What are some ways that someone can be a good literary citizen? What do you recommend for an author who, who might say, well, I never considered that. I don't know what it means. What would you recommend? So I am on social media. I think it's an indispensable part of our world. I, I believe in it and I encourage everybody to be on social media. So a lot of my social media feed, particularly before 
the one month before launch when it's gotten more concentrated about my book. Um, I'm talking, if I read a book and I like it, I talk about it. If I, if I think an author is doing great stuff, I talk about it. If the, if I retweet other writers stuff, I do all kinds of stuff on social media. I mean, I also have the platform as a book reviewer, but not everybody's a book reviewer, but you can still put some love out in the world. If you loved a book, say it on social media and tag the writer. It's really pretty basic. Well, so I'm going to give you a chance to shout out some other authors. What are the best five novels that you've read this year? Oh my gosh, that's a toughie. Um, so I read a lot of books and it's always hard for me to choose favorites. So this is what's my favorites today. Um, one of them is not yet out and it's coming out in November. It's really terrific. It's called They're Going to Love You by Meg Howery. It is ballet a book about a ballerina and other things, and I, I really loved it. Um, I've also discovered the writing of Jung Yoon, who's a Baltimore-based writer, and I love her stuff. I, I The book I would recommend is called Oh Beautiful. It's about um, oil drilling in North Dakota and um, being an adoptive, a Korean adoptee there and, and sort of deracination. I thought it was really terrific. Um, I also want to give a shout out to um, and two other Regal House publishing books. One is What Disappears by Barbara Quick, and the other is Loving the Dead and Gone by Judith Turner Yamamoto. And then I'm a real Devi Lasker fan who writes stark uh, books about pretty political, uh, their fiction. And her most recent one is called Circa. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. And now before we wrap up, Martha, I want you to share with our listeners the best ways they can stay in touch with you. So you mentioned the Substack newsletter that, that has your name, Martha Ann Toll, and with an E. That's my middle <laughs> name too. Um, and your website. Um, what are the best ways for people to stay connected to you? Thank you. So my website is really meant to be one-stop shopping. It's also my name, Martha Ann with an E, Toll. Um, it has... Um, it has a way to reach me directly. It also has a link to my Substack newsletter, and it also has um, all the book reviews I've written sort of categorized so you know what I love, and then a page with podcasts that I'm currently recording about the book and interviews. Um, so I think that is actually the most efficient way, and it tells you how to follow me on social media. I'm active on Twitter as Martha Antoll, on Instagram as Martha Toll, and I am on Facebook. Um, actually with both names. I use Martha Ann Toll for my author page and Martha Toll as my Facebook page. And I would love to be in touch. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for investing some of your time with me today. I loved it. I feel like I could talk to you all afternoon about books and writing. And I'm so inspired, especially by your persistence across decades to get to the point of having your first published novel. So congratulations to celebrate on your behalf. I'm going to buy the Kindle book tonight so that I can read it. And I look forward to more opportunities to stay connected to you, Martha. For those of you who are listening, if I can be of any help to you on your author journey, especially as it relates to marketing your book, feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm Becky at weavinginfluence.com. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I love what you put out in the world. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. 
When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of REACH resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks 